Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. I've got a question for you, Mark. Let's imagine that you bought a ticket to see some old favorite legendary name. goes back to the 70s and even the 60s. Let's just imagine it's, oh, I don't know, pluck a name at random. Jeff Beck. (laughs) Okay. And you go along to see Jeff Beck. Yeah. And presumably you get a bit of, I don't know, you probably get an old Yardbirds tune. You won't get hi-ho silver lining. But you probably get something from, uh, you know, you might get something from Jeff Beck's seminal, let's let's use that adjective, seminal album, Truth. And you want technique, don't you? You want precision? Yeah, well, you're going to you get want... that. when it, you, well, You're going to get that when he goes into the tunes from Blow by Blow or Wyatt or any of his other early 70s hits, okay? And let's say, you know, you, you're, going, you're, uh, you're enjoying this feast of uh, instrumental pyrotechnics and, uh, and uh, you know, accuracy and precision and so forth. And then on lumbers. <laughs> on lumbers. Lumbers is the word. Yeah. Some, some clown who looks as if he's won a kind of dress Keith like Richards. Keith Richards yeah. competition. <laughs> he looks as if he's come second uh, in trying to get the Nick Kent part in Pistol, of which more <laughs> later... And proceeds to, there is no other word for it, but jam. There'll be jam. Jam. Yeah. And, and you are identified as Johnny Depp. Recently, uh, you know, uh, recently named somewhat blackened in the high court in, in highly England, controversial in, in England, and then entirely exonerated yeah. in the courts of the United States. I do not know. I don't claim to know the no, rights or wrongs. Possibly fathom that one. <laughs> but but all I want to know is how do you feel? You've, because- I feel surely massively hacked off, <laughs> wouldn't you? 
I, I mean, would. really, really. I mean, genuinely cross. Yes. Because it's completely the antithesis of what Jeff Beck does. Jeff Beck's not, I mean, in principle, is wrong anyway, but Jeff Beck isn't that kind of guy. It's precision, isn't it? Technique, it's kind of detail, and it's, you know, it's all terribly highly wrought and it's virtuosity. Virtuosity is the key thing. Now, Johnny Depp, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, 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 clearly he can play a few major chords, but virtuosity, I think not. No. Johnny Depp's one of those guys, he formed a band called the Hollywood Vampires with Alice Cooper. And uh, and Joe Perry, didn't he, a while ago, about 10 years ago. And you can imagine that's just a classic example of kind of rock star fantasy, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's actors who fancy themselves on stage as a rock star, and uh, all you do is buy a bottle of Jack Daniels and put a couple of fancy neck scarves on, and you're away, you know. But also, I think there's a problem that, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, would you be thrilled if Jeff Beck turned up in, you know, the next Pirates of the Caribbean? No, you <laughs> No, not if given but a I difficult think, part. I don't think so. No, no, no. but I think that I think there's we have a slight problem with actors as musicians anyway. I think. I mean, I've seen bits of footage of Kevin Bacon's group, the Bacon Brothers, and they're actually pretty good. But your problem is, it's Kevin Bacon. You can't make that leap from the idea that it's Kevin Bacon sort of acting the part of a of a musician. You know, I speak as somebody who was at Glastonbury years ago and saw Dog Star, who are um, Keanu Reeves' band. Got a huge crowd, you know, early afternoon. Of course they did because it's Keanu Reeves. And no matter how good or bad or indifferent they were, it just looked like Keanu Reeves playing the part of a kind of grunge bassist, throwing himself around the stage, all the right shapes, bit of backing vocal and all that. And you couldn't, you couldn't accept that uh, he was somehow doing something different from from just being Keanu Reeves. So I think we got a problem with that. Can we? Can, can I introduce another element in that? Yeah. Uh, because if I'm a Jeff Beck fan from, you know, where's he played? He's played in Newcastle, hasn't he? Uh, he's yeah. Right in Sheffield, I think, as well. You know, so if, if I'm a Jeff Beck fan living in other, either of those places, I presumably bought my ticket maybe pre-pandemic is Perfectly possible, possible could is it? You know, time, yeah. I, I may have, uh, you know, bought the ticket ages ago, and um, you know, and I, I've, I've no doubt, you know, gone through two year period during which, you know, work acquaintances and neighbours have said, "Have you got anything to look forward to at the end of the pandemic?" And you've said, "Yeah, I'm going to see yeah. Jeff Beck." Jeff and Beck, they, and they have said, "Who? Who? You know, because Jeff Beck might be a household name to you and me." <laughs> It's not to most no, people down my road, you know. Anyway, suddenly when you get to the thing, the whole that that whole pure experience of your kind of fandom has been hijacked by by this this person, you know, from the front pages. Suddenly, you know, coming on stage to, I don't know, it, it's. It, it's good to rock wash his reputation. You know, I think, <laughs> rock wash. I think that, that's very funny. Well, this is what they call it. In the, you know, yeah. when when a dodgy kind of Middle Eastern state buys a buys a football club. You know, uh, pick a name at random, Manchester City. You know, yeah. that's it's a mean it's a means of sports washing their you know their uh, their image on the world stage. Yeah, it is. well, it, it, Johnny Depp is is rock washing his reputation. By by uh, standing but, but in the, the spotlight of it, could Jeff you the winner in this possibly, if there is a winner, is Jeff Beck because Jeff Beck, of course, has been in all the newspapers and all yes. the media outlets. Talk and, and would not normally have been so. Jeff Beck, Jeff Beck playing a gig in Newcastle is not 
big news. It's not news. But in every single international coverage of the Johnny Depp, uh, um, um, uh, Amber Heard uh, court case, what was Magic Alex's gag? She, he's got herd immunity. I know. And uh, and uh, th- th- they've all mentioned the fact that he's playing Jeff Beck's concert. So in that respect, pretty good. But I think we have problems with it. I think we have problems also with, with rock stars uh, the other way around, with, 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 um, you know, with, with rock stars as actors. I mean, how many times have you been convinced by a rock star on stage or on screen? Tom Waits? Twice. But Tom Twice. Waits, fine, because Tom Waits is playing No, Tom I, I'll tell you. I, I think I, only I, once in my case. Go on, who are yours? Well, not quite a rock star. Well, okay, one a rock star, another a music star. Oddly enough, the two most convincing musical stars as actors or as screen presences were Frank Sinatra. Yeah, Frank he was Sinatra really good. He was really, really good. good. Yeah. And it, and. Controversial mark, Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Oh, you Pre- so? Yes, because Elvis Presley in front of camera, you just wanted to look at him. He never looked yeah. out of his depth at all. No, he didn't, you know, didn't look uneasy. He didn't look self-conscious. No, 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 absolutely true. No. Uh, whereas, you know, David Bowie, appalling oh, self-conscious. Bowie, <laughs> Daltrey, I know, just a little bit agonising. No, my, my the one I would suggest is Lady Gaga. You ever seen Born? Uh, I have not. No. Oh, my Lord, she's fantastic on that. Completely convincing. But no, Jeff Beck um, and Johnny Depp, a bad thing. We've agreed. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. Before we go any further, however you're watching or listening to or in any way receiving this, uh, any kind of feedback or subscription or ticking the box or thumbs up or whatever is Deeply appreciated, isn't it, Mark? It we is. we yeah, really, really do appreciate because it does make a difference, that kind of thing. It does. And so if you're watching this on YouTube or, you know, however, there's probably some way that you can demonstrate some kind of approbation by ticking something or whatever. If so, do it now while we wait. It gives us a warm glow. Oh, I'm feeling better already, Mark. <laughs> I'm feeling better already. I'm so Thank pleased. Thank you so much. So pleased you did That's that. That's made my day. Okay, yeah. right. So carry on. Back back to the show. Back to the show. I, I think we should mention, we must mention, actually, um, uh, R.I.P., the great Ronnie Hawkins. A man that I remember uh, Grail Marcus once uh, described, he said he knew more back roads more back rooms, more backsides than any man from Newark to Mexicali. And he's kind of the original, a really a, a, a outrageous old kind of original road hog, wasn't he? And also connection with a kind of American kind of roots music. I mean, even when he was 50, he was born in 1935. So when he was 15, around 1950, he was playing in various bands, playing old Cab Calloway, jazz blues. So he's that extraordinary connection back to America, but pre kind of pre-rock and roll. And yeah. also, you know, as a teenager running bootleg liquor from Missouri to, to Oklahoma in a Model A Ford for $300 a day. I mean, this is not the life of Radiohead, is it? No, that's, 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 good, that's good That's good money. That's a lot though. of money, my God, that's a lot of money. I know, I know. That's Whatever right. happened to those jobs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what else? Because he came from Arkansas, didn't he? And yeah, he, he came, so came from quite a out. comfortable background, really. Yeah. Because he went to university, which is not something that he went on about very no, much. Funny enough, he didn't mention that. Did he, he didn't mention that. Uh, but he, he had an early, you know what one of his early jobs was? He was, and this has to be unique in the whole 
in the whole rich history of popular music. He had an early job as a stunt diver in an Esther Williams pageant. Esther Williams being the big star, who was well-known, star swimmer of, yeah. uh, of Hollywood movies. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of water pageants. Yeah. And so Dined the young Bonnie Hawkins, yeah. at the age of about 16, was presumably a really good swimmer. Uh, and no doubt, you know, plunged off high towers into into buckets of water or something underneath. Uh, I was very taken with that. But he 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 made his career oddly enough in Canada, didn't he? Really, because yeah, he, he obviously he just decided too much competition in the United States. Yeah, absolutely, I'm well, going to go I really up thought, there. Thought him was Canadian. As, yeah. and in fact, Levon Helm was from Arkansas as well, wasn't he? But uh, yes, he was, of course. Yes, yeah. yes, that's yeah. the connection. Yeah, so he goes to he goes to Toronto and kind of starts again there, doesn't he? With um, I don't know if Levon had gone there first. I'm not sure. But about quite that. conventional things. He did early singles, "Summertime" and uh, "Bluebirds Over the Mountain." It's all it's quite kind of traditional stuff, and then suddenly got into being rock and roller, didn't he? And and you can't help but think that there would have been no band's first and second album with that variety of American kind of roots music had they not worked with him and soaked up everything. No, possibly. Possibly. Really extraordinary. So his first, first, big, first big hit single was 30 Days, the Chuck Berry song. Do you know what his second big hit single was? Go on. 40 Days. <laughs> Which is the same song, but basically instead of, <laughs> instead of singing, I'm giving I'm gonna give you 30 days to get back home. It's follow-up says, I'm gonna give you 40 days to get back home. <laughs> You've got an extension. <laughs> Which talk about talk about, you know, not wishing to, you know, everybody with a follow-up always wants something that's like the hit. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that is not trying to disguise the it there. That's Absolutely, so great. So he, re- he recruited the members of the band when they were kind of teenagers, didn't he? Uh, yeah. In the early in the early sixties, and famously, as Ro- Robbie Robertson or somebody or one of them quotes on the soundtrack of, oh, during an interview in the Last Walls, when he hired them, he said, "You won't get much money." but you will get more pussy than Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Which obviously worked for them. <laughs> yeah. Rick Danko, a, very happy. It's just, it's a strong sales line with it any is. bunch of kind of 18-year-olds yeah. in a band, you know. Yeah. And uh, not used anything like as much as it ought to be, really. Um, yeah. but, but I he, like the fact they always said he was so out of touch. That he was just in this kind of bubble, wasn't he? Where he was just the kind of music that he played was all he was interested in. And they said that they remember him listening to a Neil Young album, fellow Canadian. Well, not that he was Canadian, but we thought he was a Canadian. And uh, and how horrified he was by the sound of Neil Young. <laughs> he said he's and and he just he didn't he didn't he just couldn't understand what Neil Young was doing. The whole thing was kind of new to him and uh, and rather overpowering. And he was he was became quite a good mate for John Lennon at one point. Although admitted that he'd never really sat down, never listened to a Beatles record. I mean, he just operated in a complete kind of yeah, yeah. in a complete kind of cocoon. So now that Ronnie Hawkins is gone, how many of the original, let's say, the original rock and rollers are left? I'm going to tell you the answer, Mark. Well, is Chuck Berry still with us? I can't remember. No, no, no. He's not, is he? No. Chuck been dead quite a few years. Yeah. There is only one. There is only one. And that is, that is the one who 
if there was any justice in this world, it's not Jerry Lee Lewis. Would have, so, no. would have shuffled off this MC many years ago. No. It's Jerry Lee Lewis. He's still with us. He's somehow hanging on. My How God. old would he be? I mean, that's phenomenal. He's not, I mean, does he ever play? No. I don't think he does nowadays. No, no. But, you know, it's. Um, that's outrageous, you know, isn't it? It's, the, like, it's like the if, idea that, you know, the one who will survive them all is going to be Keith Richards. Yes. You know, that it's a sort of terrible irony, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If, if there were any justice, uh, Jerry Lee would have uh, would have left us, left the building some while ago. But, uh, you know, he's still there. So who are we to argue? This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So in notes, Mark, um, it, in an announcement that has, as you can imagine, caused me great personal pain, <laughs> that Kiss uh, are handing in their handing in and their lunch pail, handing in their mascara, their eyebrow pencils. They're, they are retiring at the yeah. end of their their current uh, their current stint. Yeah, because um, they say they're doing it out of self respect. It's quite interesting. And the love for their fans. And, you know, I may be a sarky old bastard. I think that's fair enough. Actually. I think it's fair enough too, actually. <laughs> it's quite fair enough. You know? And uh, they're obviously aware of the fact that, you know, getting around on stage is not quite as easy as it used to be. Not quite as limber as they would have been no. in, their, in their salad days. And, of course, they've always they've had that. Inbuilt advantage for many years that they that they are behind a mask of makeup and therefore you you can't see the wear and tear, can you? No, uh, which, which is uh, so normally it's a gradual process, isn't it? You know, we've talked about this before that, that a lot of that equation when you go and see some group that you love for years is that initial moment when they come on, isn't it? And you have to yeah. weigh up whether or not you're going to accept. Yeah, <laughs> what what time has done to them, you know, and are you going to kind of believe it? And there are certain people, I think, where it became difficult. Peter Gabriel was one. I think Peter Gabriel looks so different. You know, Morrissey, I think, currently, not that he plays much now, is another one. You look at Morrissey and think, can I accept that is Morrissey? He just seems somehow different and somehow... Yeah, yeah. Morrissey is an essentially thin concept. Yeah, and it's uh, essentially a young concept, and a middle-aged Morrissey doesn't seem quite right. Somehow. He looks like Albert Finney nowadays. Yes, know? he does. He does. No, so you have to weigh that up. And so in that respect, it's interesting that they haven't, you haven't seen them gradually age and, and they've probably gone on much longer than, than they may, maybe could have done actually. But um, I, I remember the disconcerting experience of going to see Nick Lowe playing with a group called the Straight, uh, Lost Straight Jackets. Oh yeah. yeah. American instrumental group. Who yeah. are amazing. And they play yeah. with masks, you know, and you get a sort of impression of what they are and what they sound like. And then we went to meet them all uh, afterwards, and there they were without their masks, and that was really disconcerting, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Just they were so, so much they're older just, and more different. They're, just, than, they're retired gentlemen. Aren't they're they? retired gentlemen. And you just you just kind of had them as kind of ageless, and uh, you know. So that's an odd. It's an odd experience. I suppose Slipknot could go on forever, couldn't they? Slipknot could go on forever and have new members, and you'd never know nor care. No, you never know. I, one tangent on the Kiss story. I was reading a little interview with Gene Simmons talking about how he stays fit and you know how it's important to stay fit and, yeah know, it takes it takes it out of you the the kind of performing life and he used an expression that that I, it strikes me only Americans use 
I'll say probably only California Americans use. They say he keeps fit by hiking three miles every day. Hiking. The Americans talk about hiking when they do what you or I would describe as, what's the word, Mark? Probably walking. So he hikes to the shops. Does that mean he puts on kind of, uh, you know, knee-length socks? (laughs) Very sturdy lace-up boots. I don't know. Probably has a cleft stick. (laughs) He's got a map. And that, and yeah, some crampons and pitons in case he's, you have to abseil down the side. He's, of got, a piece, to he's got a piece of Kendall mint cake. <laughs> a compass. In his backpack. Bivouac. For God's sake, Californians, pull yourself together. It's Hiking just walking. is a totally different thing. It's just walking. It's, just walking. it's having a nice walk. And of course, I suppose it's a big thing in California because they've They've got rid of all the pavements, haven't they? That was the first thing that shocked me about about Hollywood when I first went there, is you literally couldn't walk anywhere because there were no pavements. Exactly, you have to drive. There's there's no way around it. Yeah, it's a a society entirely made for affluent people. And so the only place where they go walking is they go out in the country. Hence, they use the expression hiking. Anyway, so that's Kiss. They're retiring out of self-respect and maybe, maybe love for their fans. Have done this as well at some stage. So yeah, you've no, been, you've been, you've been getting into Pistol. Well, I have. I've seen five episodes. I thought it was quite good, actually. I mean, you weren't that keen. We talked about it a bit last week. I mean, it is corny. It's unbelievably corny. And we talked about that whole thing that in biopics you have to introduce straight away who. The characters are because otherwise yeah. you might not know. Honestly, though, it gets more and more ludicrous. It's a bit where they they, have, they play their first gig, and uh, somebody comes up a, a, a journalist with a notebook, kind of a notepad. Oh, the journalists always do that. But... She says Neil Spencer from the NME. Yeah, she says hello. no. Yeah, she says hello, Neil Spencer. No. So that that kind of idea, of the outstretched hand, is the other. Bit. There's a bit where they're looking for a new record deal. They've been booted off EMI and booted off A and M, and they go to a houseboat in in. Um, on the canal in North London, and a man with a, with a, with a beard and a comfy sweater uh, holds out his hand. He says, uh, "Branson, Richard, Richard Branson." No. <laughs> to make it absolutely clear, you know, and it is so corny. It's an unbelievable scene when they play in a kind of posh hotel. And there's a girl who works in the hotel who's quite conventional, you know, and she's got all her kind of uh, the hotel gear on, you know, and she's so overcome by the sound of the band. That she goes into the loo, kind of cuts her hair, puts on sort of Susie of the Banshees makeup, and comes out and dances on the dance floor as if somehow punk would convert people instantly. So it is kind of and Malcolm all that kind of philosophizing and kind of you know the whole idea is I'm, I'm theorizing, I'm orchestrating the whole thing. It's ridiculous, but you know I think some of the people were really good. The girl who plays Chrissy Hines, Sydney Chandler, is terrific. All the girls are terrific, actually. And also it struck me that 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 actually it, it is a very unusual story because in under two years, the Pistols, and it's not about records, it's entirely about the controversy, had so many extraordinary things happen. There was the, the whole stuff about the audience horror at their first gigs. There was the signing to AM in front of Buckingham Palace, you know, there's the HMS Belfast scene mm. and the arrest and Bill Grundy, God save the Queen, hiring Sid Vicious a bloke. I mean, I can remember this really well because it was just, just around the time I was about to start working on the enemy, hiring Sid Vicious, a bloke who couldn't patently couldn't play. The US tour. Do you remember that when Malcolm sent them down to oh, face yeah. the Redneck South? 
Ronnie Biggs, and then the death of Sid and Nancy. I mean, they are amazing. I couldn't really think of any other group who, in that brief period of time, it was only about 18 months, had crammed in so much controversy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But the thing no, I found... Oh, go on. Yeah. No, nothing's been as fast since, has it? No, not really. No, I mean, obviously, all big groups had big news stories, but they weren't of that kind of nature. They were mostly about statistical things, about chart successes and playing huge size venues or whatever. Theirs was all wall-to-wall controversy. Amazing. But the thing that the, the, the group makes you think about is, is that they're so utterly horrible to each other the entire time. And you think, how would they have had enough belief in the common cause to put up with that? And I thought it was quite interesting that once you see the story of the pistols from Sid, uh, from Steve Jones' uh, point of view, because the book's based on the film's based on his book, you kind of have some insight into it because he came from this really, really, really horrible background, didn't he? Kind of abused by his stepfather and kind of absolutely joy, joyless, miserable life. He had fourteen criminal convictions. He had a year in a remand home. And there's a bit in the in the movie, and I don't know whether it happened in real life, but I, I, I you can see there was a connection where, where Malcolm goes to testify on his behalf yeah, yeah. in court and gets him out of jail. So once Malcolm has said, I'm going to give you a chance, I'm going to be this kind of father figure you never had, you can understand why he would have pursued, what he would have believed in everything that Malcolm told him to do and why they would have had the appetite. Also, being broke and working class, desperately keen to make the amounts of money they did, you know. And I, I could sort of understand why they why they had that kind of drive to succeed, why they overcome all the, the all, they overcame all the internal misery. But uh, the other thing I thought was amazing was Glenn Matlock. Is that Glenn Matlock? What a saint this character! He comes out of this thing as completely saintly. Not only really sweet natured, clearly the best songwriter, clearly the best musician. Not that that mattered particularly. And then fired in the most horrible circumstances. And according to the movie, then offers to give Sid Vicious bass lessons. Before that, which Sid Vicious t- tells him to fuck off. So you kind of think he comes out of it as being completely 
wonderful and uh, and uh, and I thought I think the whole thing's I thought it's good I think it's it's really it's really enjoyable and it's interesting I've noticed that various the general feeling is everyone thought they were going to hate it and they've just kind of they've found it, it it's actually it's actually thoroughly entertaining it's good the word podcast clearly there is no plan uh, any other business we're joined by Alex Gold where are you Alex you're in Kingston aren't you I'm in swinging Kingston on Pont Thames in uh, the most harrowing travelodge I think I've ever had the, oh, the right. pleasure to stay in. <laughs> it's the Bates Motel goes travelodge. <laughs> it's it's astonishing. My memory, my recollection of Kingston from being here a few years ago is very idyllic. It's by the river. You know, it's it's kind of golden suburbia. But some things happened in the intervening years. Maybe because I left in the first place. Who knows? And You've upset really, the really delicate good. balance of the universe, Alex. Then again, no disrespect, but when you see anything from the inside of a travelodge, doesn't that somehow taint the view? <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I, don't get me wrong. I love a loge. I'm a massive loge oh, okay. fan. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, do you, you know, prefer it's, the loge to the Premier Inn? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. Oh, I, really? I, I, don't get me wrong. I like the fact the Premier Inn's got a guaranteed bath. Uh, that's definitely earns it right. points. However, I find the shade of purple it dresses itself in a little bit stressful. Um, I much prefer the Travelodge's um, soft blues. And in fact, they've just introduced these sleep rooms. I'm not working for them, by the way, um, which you pay like £10 extra and you get a slightly comfier bed, a slightly nicer chair. Some what are they called? Sleep kind of rooms? Super rooms. Oh, super oh, rooms. Okay. Yeah, like a proper super coffee room. machine. Needless to say, there's not one here at all. Uh, there's not anything here at all, really, apart from, you know, the 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 the, the very heady whiff of, of failure and discontent. Um, <laughs> so that's where you are. The overpowering stench, yes. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so, Alex, I, I asked you, I don't know if you managed to do this. I said we ought to have a subdivision of our, um, of our word in your attic you know, all our hundreds. Oh, of I have I've done it actually. Where we've talked to loads and loads of people over the, over the last two years. <coughs> I thought we ought to have an honours board for those. Who are people. the ones that we've who done? Are the ones who, I think who've there's Sir Bob Geldof, isn't yeah. there? There's Sir, Sir Tim Rice, and now obviously Sir it's, Ian Rankin, which is great. But I think in terms of MBEs, we've done Dylan Jones as an MBE, but were there any others? I don't know. Yep. Uh, oh, there was uh, was that four altogether? It was yeah, there's yeah. four so far. Yeah, yeah. okay. So well, that, a, you know, it's a, well, congratulations to all of them, and um, and absolutely, Ian, Ian's got his knighthood, which forces me to ask the question: It's completely theoretical. <laughs> if you were offered one, Mark Ellen, would you take it? <laughs> what a knighthood! <laughs> I think I'm probably <laughs> absolutely absurd concept. <laughs> I'm trying to think what for services to what I don't know. I think I would. I, I, you see, the, most people say, "Well, I do it for the sake of the family." Is it, just, it. just give me a direct answer, Mark. Would you do it? Or would you? I, I would. I think because yeah, okay. why you wouldn't. Would, so you wouldn't. Would, would, well, I tell you, I tell you, referred to as uh, whatever. You know, it's like it's like seeing all the stuff in the papers today about the the previous uh, politicians at the church service yesterday, and it was kind of you know it's uh, it's Gordon Brown and it's uh, Sir Tony Blair. Sir John Major, you know what I mean? Theresa May. I mean, there, there is certain, there are certain people. I was thinking this the other day when I was uh, writing something about Paul McCartney, and then on the email it was referred to as Sir Paul McCartney, and I always think to myself, the, the idea of giving Paul McCartney a knighthood just seems utterly redundant. He's bloody Paul McCartney. He's from right. Right. I know the idea you should be don't, great. <laughs> Yes, 
it's it, it, it's it's utterly pointless. Know, it? it was a great it was clip a of Robert Smith. There are only four people that, that that applied to. That is the greatest honor of our lifetime, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't need recognizing with anything further. Yeah, and no, I'm kind of, I feel a bit similar about prime ministers, really. You know, if you've been prime minister, you, you know, you've written, risen to the top of your particular tree. However, you've done it, that's what you've done. You sort of don't need anything further. It's like, no, that, but it's all you know, about that, that people's involvement with charity, isn't it? Which is, I mean, what you could well, call about not, Justin Hayward and Bonnie Tyler. Oh, no, Bonnie Tyler and Justin Hayward who got, got, got honours. Okay, in, can I tell you the other thing about it? Bonnie Tyler and, uh, you know, it, it's people represent certain parts of the United Kingdom. That's always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, no doubt true. they're looking for 10 Scots, 10 Welsh. Uh, 10 Welsh, tick them off. Yeah, tick them off. But anyway, you know, uh, uh, there's two Could- two things I thought about. about uh, if I was offered a night of, which is clearly never going to happen, um, one thing, the, the one thing that, that would have weighed most uh, heavily in, the, in my decision is no longer the factor, is that my parents are no longer alive. I know. And if your parents are alive, you couldn't refuse. You couldn't you know? refuse it. No, no, no. <laughs> because they would eventually get to know that you'd refused. Yeah. And, and they would feel chance. slighted. Absolutely. 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 You know, you've given me, you, you know, you've told me that you once got the greatest, you, get, you once, I, I once almost had the greatest reason to show off in front of my people down the shopping centre, and you took it away from me. <laughs> Parents do not forgive that kind of thing. The other thing is my first thought would, would be, is Mark Ellen Gateman as well? <laughs> Tell you, I hope you just get one first. <laughs> but I mean, you could. My, my, my other thought would be, are you sure you don't mean Mark Ellen? Yeah. <laughs> but how would you turn down the chance eventually? Go, wouldn't it be such fun to be there? Now, anybody who's ever been always has a great, just a great story to tell about the whole process of, of you know, how you, you, the conversation that you have with the Queen or whichever dignitary it is, and how you mustn't attempt to, to continue it. And whether or not they say, have you come far and all that, you know, it's gripping, don't you think? Yeah, can, can, I, can I ask a question which might be construed as a bit stupid in that, does knighthood get you any sort of tangible benefits? Does it get you like 10% extra off? 10% off at a travel lodge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you probably room. book a, you can probably get a res- restaurant table more easily. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised. You, you, your secretary rings up on behalf of Sir Ian Rankin. Do you get like an extra five percent off the bill as well, or a free? I dessert, don't or... think it'll get you a percentage off the bill, but I refill think it of might, coffee. It, it might get you a restaurant table. Um, okay, and I don't know a Wimbledon ticket, possibly that kind of I'd, thing. I'd I'd accept for Wimbledon ticket and a restaurant table, to be quite frank with you. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I do I do think it's kind of pointless with Paul McCartney. It's completely Paul pointless. McCartney. It's, yeah. it's absurd. It's almost insulting. Talking of Paul McCartney, June the 18th, we are marking his 80th birthday at uh, in Holland Park in the uh, salubrious auditorium provided by Opera Holland Park, which has the, the unique virtues of a tented roof that keeps any potential rain off, because it's not going to rain, but also it's open at the side. So it can let the sunlight and the air in, can't it? It's, 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 it's lovely. It's the most wonderful, wonderful <laughs> park as well. Yeah. Fox wandering around, gorgeous old architecture, lovely flowers, and it's just the whole thing taste, isn't it? 
Yeah, and so that's the 18th, June the 18th, in the afternoon, starts around 2, and it'll be all over by 5. Our guests that afternoon include uh, Danny Baker, Julia Rayside. Um, Jeff Lloyd. Jeff Lloyd. Great got, Graham Goldman of the 10CC. And Andy Miller. Uh, those, really uh, <coughs> so they're all going to be joining us. And so if you haven't already got your tickets... Get on with it. Okay, what else have we got to talk about? Anything, Alex? What, what are you doing in the travelogue? You, have you got a gig coming up or anything like this? I'm, I'm plotting my escape as soon as possible. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> You're knotting the sheets together, trying to get out of the window. <laughs> yeah. Back to no, the show. With the small faces. With the small faces lot again. So I've gone, I've put down my Beatles hat and I've, I've done my, my finest mod gear. And uh, I'm a small face again for the weekend. Actually, we had Sandy Sargent, who is yeah, Max. Yeah, Max, Max's wife. There came, last night. That's right. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Did she uh, like it? She did. She loved it. She's she seen it a couple of times, actually. She did. She did approve. Um, it was nice to see, you know, it's nice to see the ball and chain again. And um, Yeah, because you play the part of Mac, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, and all that. that can they hear that outside? Yeah. Um, the young Kingston. Yeah. Oh, God, people. <laughs> More dissatisfied customers hurling bricks through the Travelodge window. <laughs> it's about as far from a cruise ship as it's possible to get. Yeah, yeah. So what, when you did your small faces act, um, yes. what do you start with? What's your opening small faces on? So for anybody who um, isn't aware, so this this is a condensed version of the musical that we um, toured with and did a brief West End residency. So it's basically the same running order. So it kind of runs through the small faces of chronologically. We start with Rolling Over, uh, which isn't really chronological, but we go right back to You Need Loving, which obviously Led Zeppelin appropriated. Uh, what are you going to do? Shalalalali. We go right through to Ichiki Park and Happiness Stan. And then we do a second set in this one uh, of um, general 60s groovers from little known bands such as the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Who. And the oh, right. What's, like what? Which song? It helped last time. Uh, Tommy Tucker, High Heel Sneakers. Oh, That's right. a saucy yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, so do you, do you do them as if it's the Small Faces cover version? Is that how you do no, it? No, we, we do. We kind of we just do don't them. sing it in character. We, we break the fourth wall for that. Oh, and, okay. uh, and we do that just as uh, just as uh, just as ourselves, I suppose. Um, and I still have mod gear, um, but I switched from keys. I hadn't t- actually. I hadn't touched a keyboard in six months, and I have to play two of them at the same time to be Mac. So yesterday was a little bit um, a little bit jazz, but um, that's uh, that's so that's what the small what faces is, are about, right? What mm-hmm. is the small faces signature song? HQ Park, one hundred percent. It is, is it? Because Not it's the one that, Sunday. No, because it's Edgy Key Park's the one everybody knows. Like you know, even, the, the the thing which I found it's not really, all or nothing. It's not I don't all think. A, I don't think that it, number one record. It was. It was their first number one. But I think Edgy Key Park is the one that's endured. I mean, the, the surprising thing for me when I first got cast, what four years ago, is that um, the small faces have always been really important to me because all the all the bands that I really loved, every single one of them, cited them as an influence. So in my world, they were, they were always prevalent. They were always there, always present somehow. But to the general public, they're not really well known at all. And this really kind of surprised me because I thought they were, they were, you know, the part of the general kind of populace's um, uh, uh, sort of line of information. But nobody really knows them if they're not really into music. But everybody does know Ichiku Park. Um so it's got to be their signature, really, I think. So Mark and I were talking about signature tunes earlier this week because I'm, I'm reading a fantastic <laughs> biography of Bob Hope, 
which contains all kinds of revelations. Oh, so Mark just, Allen's disappeared. Oh, well, that, is, that can't be can't be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark Allen's disappeared. Has he gone? I'm just, I'm just going to keep talking until he rejoins us. Shall I do that? Is that yeah, is that the best yeah. policy? So Bob Hope, early on in his career at Vaudeville, was part of an act, uh, two two guys kind of dancing, singing and dancing and telling jokes act. And their big breakthrough was when they got a six-month residency dancing with a pair of Siamese twins. What? Yes. <laughs> six wow. months. Dancing with a pair of Siamese twins. Hashtag things that wouldn't happen in 2022. Absolutely. And so the reason that we're talking about the whole business of uh, signature tunes is that that Bob Hopes was thanks for the memory. When she was first introduced to, when he was given it to sing in 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 a movie in 1938, and the reason they gave it to him to sing was he was always very good at what they call list songs. So he wasn't particularly a singer, but he could remember lyrics. And, you know, so you'd always have these songs that, uh, you know, like like Cole Porter's You're the Tops or whatever, You're the Tops, You're the Coliseum, You're the Louvre Museum, You're the, you know, loads and loads of examples. And Thanks for the Memory was a bit like that. So he started singing this in, in 1938. It was so big, so quickly that they made a movie just called Thanks for the Memory. And he carried on being his signature tune until he died in the 21st century. That's a long time with the signature tune. It is, yeah. And, uh, and we were just thinking, what are the <laughs> signature tunes? What are the songs that kind of bind the audience and the performer? You know, obviously, Frank Sinatra, my way, is is Clearly. kind of that, isn't it? You know, that hello, Mark Ellen's back. <laughs> He's back in the room. We've hey, kept, Mark, to, how you we doing? kept talking. I kept talking. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. So, suddenly just flicked out. So uh, yeah. we're back. Yeah. You're back. We're You're talking right. about St. Jean's, and I've talked to told Alex about the uh, the Bob Hope. Thanks for the memory. And we're just trying trying to think of other other signature signature tunes that have that where the where the tune kind of bonds the audience and the performer. Uh, in oh, a shared right. history, so my way is is a is a classic. My way's good. Um, Queen would be good. Bohemian Rhapsody, surely. Except no, not really. We are the champions, and I will survive. I think it's things about it's uh, an eye songs very often. We yeah. are. okay. I'll tell you a really good example of that, actually, which I think is uh, is. I mean, it's it's nowhere near on that kind of level, but I think it's uh, ever fallen in love with someone. Buzzcocks. Because yeah. that's one of those songs where everybody looked at that and thought, I've had that experience, you know, and, uh, and everyone kind of nods approvingly at the concept of having ever fallen in love. I think that's a great one. There was a band in uh, in 19, about 1991 called Airhead. I can remember oh, when I was just started what working. What a good at, record! Yeah, do you remember that I was working? Funny at, how um, the girls you yeah. fall in love with never fancy, never fancy you. you. Funny, Funny how, how the ones, ones you, you don't do. do. Very good. That's right. I used to play on the radio all the time. It's a brilliant record. It's a still. really, really good record. And it's just one of those things that I can remember it really well. I was on Select at the time. It was a kind of indie time. And absolutely everybody connected with that. Because that's the that's 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 a universal experience, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Those are the songs that... Uh, but that, it's also... Uh, I mean, things like Oasis, presumably Live Forever is the Oasis anthem. Yeah. 
Gosh, I don't, I would suggest What's it's the one that, go on. I'd suggest it's probably don't look back in anger. That's the one you can uh, okay, you can maybe. you can All whip right. out of your back pocket in any establishment in the UK, and immediately people will, without even realizing it, they'll have their shirt off and be really rolling see, it around but, their head. But, it, it's, but it's kind, it's kind of see, songs where people feel that they're singing about themselves. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I think that's just an anthem. I think kind of we are the Ooh, champions. Okay. I will survive. I think that's about. It's about it's we've all been through yes. this experience, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and we all know what it's like. And we're taking a great deal of strength from the fact that this community have all felt the same way. Maybe it I is think different, that's different from an that's anthem. An anthem is just waving a flag or a cigarette light you know, and uh, and uh, just because kind of kind of joining in. No, I think they're things that make you feel connected. And uh, I think Born, Born to Run, Dave, we've talked yeah, about. Born to Run is one. Tramps like us. And it, tramps like us. It's that <laughs> yes. idea that we... We do this together, you know. All of us have been through this. <laughs> yeah, we've all been to Bruce Springsteen shows where you look around, you, yeah. There's people in the sixties and seventies or whatever. See, so you, you know, when they're driven here in a company car, <laughs> yeah. singing, singing about tramps like loosen their ties, yeah, <laughs> reattach their tie as a headband, <laughs> torn, torn the torn the sleeves off their jacket. <laughs> Tramps like us. No, no. That, I think it's a, it's a real difference. But yeah, that's a great. That's a great song. That that that. Thanks for the memories. Amazing. And it's still 1938, wasn't it? 1938, and he that's sang incredible. and he sang it for the rest of his life. It's absolutely yeah, because there were a lot of songs that that you know, summer times from around then. Um, My baby just cares for me. Uh, Blue moon, but they don't have the same kind. They're no, just they great the songs. They're, they're not connective, are they? No, no, I know. no. Oh, so you if you if anybody's got any suggestions for further ones, uh, let us know. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Hey.